Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. I didn't give you that much of a warning. I usually say, are you ready for God's word? Yes, then God is good. Amen. We've been in the sermon series, King Jesus, King Jesus. Now we've covered a lot. Now I want to remind you that we've been covering different attributes of our Savior King. Today we're going to cover Savior King. But before we get started and get real deep into it, I want to just start off with our focal passages. So stay with me as we read the focal passages. Uh, they'll be up on the screen behind me. And I want, to, I want to let you know something. Today I've got a lot of Bible that I'm sharing with you. You say, Pastor, you always have a lot of Bible. I truly believe that it's not as important what I have to say as what God has already said. God's word is supreme. The word says that his word is above his name and there is nothing on this earth above his name except his word. And so I want you to understand how we are to look at the word of God. And that's why I, uh, I'll bring things up, like when that certain uh, pastor, I didn't even know who it was, was, was belittling the Word of God. I said, you know, you can't, you can't do that. The Word of God represents Him, and He is His Word. And, and so we have to understand these things. And so today, I want to I let you know, we're going to get deep into this message. And if, it, if we're not careful, I say if we're not careful, we could go over time. The reason I say if we're not careful is because this is a partnership. What do I mean a partnership? I preach, you receive. But if you don't receive, I keep preaching. And that's when we can go overtime. So you say, how do, you, how do we partner again? You help me. You help me move along. And the way you help me move along is you say amen. Good preaching, pastor. Awesome. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise the king of, I want you to be excited as we do this. If I don't hear anything, then it's not my fault we go over. That's going to be on you. Amen? 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 Let's do this. The Bible says, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel. So the message comes first to Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Wow. So here, the apostles are preaching, and they're telling the, Israel, uh, uh, the, the nation of Israel, you crucified your Messiah. Now watch. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole healed. You've seen a miracle in the name of Jesus. Think about the power of the name of Jesus, and yet the psalmist says his word is above his name. Amazing. I want you to get that deep in your heart, but, but let's keep going. Stands here whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other, any other what? Name. 
For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I want you to understand the emphatic nature of this verse. The, the verse is not saying may be saved, perhaps on a good day, must be saved. Must. The only way you can get to heaven is through what? Through Jesus. Through the power of his name. You say, and if his name is under his word, then you know that his word is what gives you the salvation gospel message that's in his name. You say, okay, pastor, why are you putting so much emphasis on this? Because I have been preaching for quite some time about the great deception that is coming. And I keep saying that the markers and the signs are there for anyone to see that we're getting closer and closer to the end. That Jesus is coming back. Come on, how many of us know that's the purpose? The purpose is that Jesus would come back. I think sometimes Christians are like, oh, I don't like to talk about Jesus coming back. Like That's kind of the whole point, right? That's the whole point of Christianity, to know that our king returns. And so I want you to know that one of the signposts is deception. And I say that often, and I know sometimes I get on your nerves. Because when I say something over and over, some of you are like, oh, here we go again. But why would I say something over? Why would any teacher, why would anybody emphasize something over? Because it's important. But why do you emphasize something important unless there's, there's an understanding that, that we're missing it? Now, I mean, you may not be missing it, but there's enough people missing the idea that deception is going to mark the end. And it gets frustrating as a pastor to hear Christians talk like non-Christians and say ridiculous things that are outside of the word of God. And they say things like this. You know, but you can be sincere and still get to heaven outside of the gospel message of Christianity. That is nonsense according to God's word. Notice, nor is there salvation in any other other than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to... But, but what about Allah? What about the universal conscious God of, 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 of heaven? And what about just redeeming myself? The other day I heard even Christians applauding Dwayne the Rock Johnson who says he has redeemed himself through some of the great things that he has done and learned in life, that's good. It's good to help others. But no amount of good works will get you to heaven. To heaven. Only the good work of Jesus Christ, who walked a perfect sinless life and died a perfect sinless death for you and I. That's what we're going to talk about here today. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because deception is going to sweep across the land more and more 
and more. And you don't want to get caught up in that sweeping. Amen? So the Bible says that if you confess, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today we're going to focus on Savior King. We've talked about several things and we've highlighted several attributes including humble king, human king, divine king. This week we'll talk about Savior King. I want to remind you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus revealed himself to all the world as the Savior King. The Savior King means he came in a donkey, riding on the humble back of a donkey, humbling himself, not like a conquering warrior on a great white horse, but on the back of a young donkey. This is one of the reasons why the Jewish people had trouble accepting their Messiah. Think about this with me for a second, because several weeks ago, it might have been five, six weeks ago, um, I spoke about the two comings of Christ and how they can create confusion. Why can they create confusion? Because one set of prophecies indicates or paints a very different picture from the other set of prophecies. And so if you look at these two sets of prophecies, you, you have trouble reconciling them. And, and I want to be fair, even the very disciples of Christ had trouble reconciling them. Even after Jesus Christ had raised from the dead and they had connected so many dots, they still, still, they still asked him, is this when you establish your kingdom? Is this now the time to overthrow Rome and to establish a physical kingdom? And God says, no. You're still missing it. This is still part of the first coming. See, the first coming was all about humility. Coming in the form of humble man. We talked about the humble king, human king. And we said that, that his humility was highlighted by being born in a manger, working as a carpenter, starting his ministry at age 30, and always, always, always being in the humblest of regions with no title, with no uh, accolades or prominence or anything like that, even riding in on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago on the back of a donkey. That's not the way a conquering king rides into a city. What about you would sit on the throne of David? What about that you would establish Israel again? You would throw off all oppression. You would rule with righteousness and a rod of iron. And you would do all of these things. That is coming. He will split the sky wide open riding on a white horse. Amen. With the name above all names tattooed on his side, on his thighs, with his vestiture dipped in blood and proclaiming the truth of the Lord, that the kingdom is here. But his first coming threw everyone off, threw everyone off because they didn't understand he came to preach the humble gospel message that God loves you. God loves you and that God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. He also said things that really, really, really confused the establishment. We talked about this last week, but I want to highlight it again for you. In John chapter 10, he says, I and my father are one. Now, every young Jewish person was 
was made to memorize a very important prayer and Bible passage from the book of Deuteronomy that said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God is one. And here Jesus is saying, me and the Father are one. Ooh, what did they scream out? Blasphemy! How can he make himself to be God? He said things like this, before Abraham was, I am. Taking on the Old Testament name of Yahweh, they screamed out, blasphemy. So yes, he came in the humble nature, but yet he told everyone clearly that he was God. So they're like, wait a minute, we could maybe understand if you came in greatness, if you came, you know, fulfilling the prophecies of Zechariah and Joel that talk about the great coming king of Israel, that's his second coming. It's going to happen, guys. But first, his first coming says, I am God, and I've come to show you the humble way to be saved. The humble way to be saved, that you must die to yourself. And so... I'm going to go to, to Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, he heals a paralyzed man. We covered this last week, so I won't belabor it. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. So he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to do what only God can do, is forgive sins. And they say, blasphemy. It's right there. Who is this fellow? Who is this dude? Who is this guy that speaks blasphemy. How can he forgive sins if only God forgives sins? So do you see what's happening? His own people are rejecting the salvation message because they're too focused in a worldly context. What's the worldly context? That there must be greatness and grandness, that there must be kingship from a earthly standpoint. And yet Jesus said, I've come to humbly show you the way. Because it's in humility that you reach God. Humble, humble, humble. And so this is hard for them to understand. So much so that they rejected the Lord. But do you realize they rejected their Messiah for a very specific reason? That is to open the door to us Gentiles. And it began the time of the church. Many have dubbed that as the time of the Gentiles or the church age, which, um, which Daniel clearly speaks towards. And so you have this time of the church age. And Paul talks about this time. If you read in the book of Ephesians, how many of you have ever taken the time to read the book of Ephesians? I'm going to ask you to read it slowly, all six chapters, and read it over again and over again. Read it ten times straight, but read it to the point that that gospel message gets deep down in your heart. It's one of the most, one of the most amazing books you can read. You might say to yourself, Pastor, you call every book in God's Word amazing 
That's because they are. Everyone is amazing. The book of Ephesians starts off very theologically talking about God predestined us to himself. God saved us. And then chapter 2 is about that salvation. Then chapter 3 is understanding the mystery of the gospel. Then chapter 4 is about walking in the spirit. Then chapter 5 is about how we should live in our practical relationships with one another. And then chapter 6 is about now that you've understood that God saved you, that uh, it was a mystery, but you've gotten a handle on the mystery that it, it It should be established in the way you walk and live with one another. Now you can fight in the spirits because there is a spiritual force coming against you. And so this is all found in the book of Ephesians. But in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul says this, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. What is he saying? You know, it's interesting because Paul said things often about his prison time, and he said things like this. He said, my chains are for his glory. Me being in prison is for your benefit and the glory of the kingdom, the glory of the king. What does that mean? It means that what the enemy means for evil, God can use for good in your life. I want you to think about something going wrong in your life, and I want you to start giving thanks because God will use it for good. What kind of good? Well, let me share something with you. Paul was going around all the known world, starting churches, planting churches, evangelizing the known world. Isn't it awesome that Paul says about certain cities, I've come in, me and my team, and not a person is left who hasn't heard. Can you imagine if we could say that of Bastrop County? Not a person in Bastrop County can say they didn't hear the gospel from one of our lips. Wow. And so he's busy and he's going and he's going and he's going. Now, why is this good that he's in prison? Come on. How many of us have ever been so busy for our own good that we know we need to take some time time to do something that would have a great impact, but we're just so focused on what we have in front of us. We can't take that time to do what we're called to do so that we can have a greater impact. And then the devil says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put him in prison so he'll stop spreading the gospel. And God just smiles and says, it's that prison time he's been needing because he's going to write the gospel down. He's going to write the mystery down and it's going to echo through the ages. It's going to echo. And this is why we have this beautiful account. Listen to what he says in verse 2. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. What is he saying? He said, God has made me a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles. That means all that I'm going through, it's because he has a heart for the Gentile people. Who are the Gentile people? us. And watch, he's given me stewardship. What does it mean to be a steward? That means I'm responsible. I'm responsible to share the mystery of God's grace. It's right there in verse three, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. I'm a steward of this mystery of grace. Now, what is this mystery? Watch verse five which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations. What? 
No, stay with me. The church age was starting. And the mystery of the gospel was this. That you could be saved even if you weren't Jewish. That you could be saved. How? You want to go to the Old Testament, you had to become Jewish. You had to, to, you had to turn away from your, your formal nationality and you had to abide by the Jewish standard. And you could be grafted in that way. But, but Paul is saying the mystery of the gospel is that you become part of the family of God based on grace. Based on grace. Now watch, watch this with me for a second because this is super, 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 super important. The Bible says that when God circumcised the children of Israel, he did it physically but he wanted that to be a physical representation of what they felt in their heart to him. With the Gentile people, he says, you don't have to be circumcised physically. What I'm going to do is I'm going to circumcise you by the power of my Holy Spirit. There's going to be a change in you. And when you obey God and proclaim faith in my son then you will be circumcised and become part of Abraham's seed. You will be able to say, Abraham is my father. Why? Because the blessing to Abraham would be for what? All nations. And here God is saying, I'm revealing the mystery. It's not a mystery anymore. Why? Because we've had 2,000 years of the gospel message being preached. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But can I tell you something? It's becoming a mystery again because of the deception of the spirit of Antichrist that's already on the earth. Oh, you're preaching craziness. Go read Paul's writings. It's right there in the book of Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians says the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. Already at work. He says this too. He says... And understand that there will be a great delusion come on to the land. You see that over and over and over. A Christian nation getting the simple gospel message that was a mystery and making it even greater mystery with all the nonsense that they talk about. Am I right? Oh, salvation is this and that. And, uh, I mean, they're... No, no, salvation is very simple. You want to hear the gospel message of salvation that Jesus Christ came to give? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. I'm going to say it again. Repent and believe. But can I tell you something? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. He says it's a mystery, right? He says right there, which was hidden for generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the what? By the Spirit of God. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Through the gospel. Now watch this. 
Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, what does the word all mean? Everyone. It says sin entered through who? Adam. And because of his fall, everyone is in trouble. And now everyone is tainted with the nature of sin. This is important because last night I was praying that God would reveal to me a way to explain this in a very practical sense. Because I said, Lord, this mystery should be simple, but it's hard to grasp sometimes. Because how much do we play a part in it? How much do we play a part in it? I want to read to you. Um, I'm going to drop down to Ephesians chapter Two, and then we'll go back up to finish explaining this idea of sin. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved. Through? So how are you saved? By grace. Notice, it's not because of your faith. It's because of God's grace. It's because of God's grace. Now, I want to go back up now. If we go back up, the reason we need to be saved by the hand of God is because we were dead in our sins. Go back up to Romans. Therefore, just as one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. That means we were dead. That's why Jesus says this. For God so loved the world that whosoever, what? Should not perish. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you realize that it also says he did not come into the world to condemn the world? Wow, that's good news. You're not going to condemn us, Lord. You're perfectly okay with us. No, no, no. Finish. He says, I didn't come to condemn you because you're already condemned. You're already dead. For by grace you have been this is why the Bible says that grace is completely, I mean, salvation is completely God's idea. So I was praying, Lord, show me how I can explain this. And I started getting sleepy, but I wasn't that sleepy, and it was getting past my bedtime. I usually go bed, but I, I usually want to be asleep at 1230. It was already getting, it was 1 o'clock. Then it was 1.30. And some of you are like, what? I'm a night owl. And so I said, I need some help. And I took something um, awesome called melatonin. And in first, in first service, it sounded like I took a drug. It's not a drug. It's a natural thing. Well, some drugs are natural, but this one is, is something your body makes. Your body makes melatonin. And I took just a small little dose that I had left over from COVID. Because you realize that helped uh, ward off COVID. Anyway, good sleep. Go figure. And uh, so I said, I'm going to sleep good. I took this melatonin. And I just knocked out. I was dead asleep. Okay, I use that word specifically, dead asleep. Ever been there? Where you're dreaming, you're dreaming, and all of a sudden, I wake up. And it's dark outside, and I go, oh man, I'm going to sleep two more hours. And I started to go to sleep, and because and, I, I was just in this, in this, you ever feel so drowsy, you could just close your eyes and just, and just be dead to the world, just go for it. And, and so I'm, I was just about to close my eyes and I felt like something inside me says, check. I, I believe it was God. I said, check your phone. 
So I grabbed my phone and it was like go time. Go time. And what I mean by go time is I set my alarm almost an hour earlier because I hit the snooze button about five times. Any snoozers in the room? Anyone like to hit the snooze button? They say that's bad. But I just hit the snooze button, hit the snooze button, and I know when it gets to be this time, it's go time. Like, get up. This is the, Lord that the, this is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it, and I pop out of bed. Well, it was that time. And I had a choice to make. It's go time or it's my time. And let Brother Jamie preach, right? Let Jamie Savannah take care of it. I'm going to sleep in. Can I tell you, I felt like God was saying, that's your illustration. You were dead. You, you had no alarm. I had to be your alarm. I had to wake you up to the gospel message that you need a savior. That you need a savior. It's nothing you did. You were asleep completely dead to what was going on and my alarm of the gospel message that you're a sinner and that you need a savior and you need to be, you need to receive my love was my alarm saying someday you're going to walk into eternity. You need to be ready. This is why the Bible says salvation is completely of God's. Listen to what else the Bible says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Notice, it said all men have been tainted by Adam's sin in Romans 5. Death came from that sin to all men because all have sinned. Here the Bible says again, for all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Watch. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's grace. A gift is something you don't deserve. A wage, you earn it. You deserve it. What do you deserve? It's right there. What do you deserve? Why? Because we're all sinners. Every single one of us, not some, all. There's nothing you can do to change that status. No amount of good works will change it. It's like going before the judge and saying, Judge, I haven't murdered in a while. I've done a lot of good. He said, Great, but you're still paying. Right? This is important. This is the gospel message. That was a mystery and became fully known to us Gentiles and is becoming a mystery again because preachers have stopped preaching it. And they're getting cute with the gospel. And today I just want to be straightforward. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save those who were lost and we were all lost. Every single one of us. And he woke us up. He woke us up. You say, but, but where does faith come in? Where does faith come in? We're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to just keep working through these passages. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is a gift. That's the second time it's been described as a gift. A gift is something you do not earn. I'm going to keep focusing on that. See, the psalmist makes it clear. He says salvation belongs to who? 
in Psalm 62, from him comes my salvation belongs to who? Where does it come from? You were dead asleep. You were dead in your sins, completely oblivious. And God's alarm clock is the gospel message. I want you to be crystal clear so that you make sure you get to heaven and you help as many others there too. This is why the Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, salvation is of the, is completely of God. But where does faith come in? So, we've been talking about how the Jewish people rejected their Messiah. I've been sharing with you that there's a time of the Gentiles. I've shared this throughout my ministry. There's a time of the Gentiles. It's called the church age. But in those verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says the Antichrist spirit will be at move, moving. Prior to the Antichrist, the son of perdition being revealed, there is going to be a removal of the restrainer, the one that holds him back. The one that holds him back is the power of the Holy Spirit within his church. See, when you're saved, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit if you're saved. Bible says in the book of Romans, if you have not the Spirit, you do not belong to him. Spirit, you're his. No Spirit, you're not his. It's that simple, okay? So when the Spirit of God is removed, the Antichrist will step onto the scene and be empowered by that Spirit that's already here working, deceiving, and deluding people, giving them a delusion. You say, well, what does that mean? It means, because the Bible's clear about this, that the time of the Gentiles is going to come to a close. And God's, God's focus is going to return to the Jewish people. I've been sharing that with you. And some said, are you sure, Pastor, the Jewish people are becoming saved? Yes, I get reports all the time. Do you realize that right now the Knesset and the, the legislature is looking at legislation that would outlaw sharing the gospel message in Israel? And it would make it punishable by a year in prison. The prime minister... Uh, Netanyahu said, we will have no law against the, the Christian faith. No law. So that's pretty good. But, but why would they want a law if it's not happening? And notice what's happening in America. The gospel message is becoming cloudier and cloudier and cloudier. This is why I'm wanting it to be crystal clear for you. And I might get on your nerves because you want something fun and exciting, but let me share with you this little illustration as we finished. It was kind of fun and exciting. My wife and I go on, on a date every Thursday. Thursday was busy, so we went Friday. It's tough going out Friday on a, on, uh, in Austin, but we go early and get out. We're, we're getting older now. <laughs> we go early. And so we went early, and we're sitting outside this nice little patio, and there's just little tables like this, and it's getting packed, and, and we're at a table for two, and I'm facing this way, and she's facing me, and behind me is another table for two, and there's a gentleman, and I figure he's waiting on his, his plus one, and, and well, she never comes. Um, hopefully, he was waiting, she was waiting for a she, um, but, but, um, he didn't, he, 
he starts kind of talking to my wife. And, and, and that's fine, you know, that's okay. But I'm like, man, this is my date with her. And he kind of was saying a couple things, and he would say some more. And he's kind of, and I'm like, all right, dude. Um, but that's cool. We're, we had our nice little day. We said, let's go to another place. So we started to go to another place. And when I stand up, he says to me, hey, are those real work boots or pretend? And I said, what'd you say? And she said that I was being a little bit combative. That's not combative, is it? What'd you say? I just said, what'd you say? And he said, well, I mean that, you know, are those real work boots? And I said, these are Red Wings Iron Rangers. And I've worn these since I was 16. And if you knew anything about work, you'd know what they are. No, I didn't add that. But my attitude added it. You know what I mean? And he said, oh, those look pretty good. I said, yeah, I've had many since I was 16. And there you go, buddy. And I walked off, and my wife said, man, that seemed a little bit, why? I said, he challenged me. He was challenging me. And, you know, it reminded me of this message because when my wife shared that with me, I started asking of the Lord, because how many of you know the Holy Spirit sometimes uses our spouse? And I was like, man, Lord, was, was I wrong? And he said, you know, there's a passage that you should share with your people about that says we shouldn't become arrogant in knowing the mystery of the gospel of grace. Because the Gentiles can flip it and become proud in that we know the gospel. How could you not understand he was your savior? Now we're part of the family. Now the blessing is on us. And the Bible says, be careful because the blessing came through them and will return to them. You are now part of the same family, but be humble because it happened through humility. And I go, Lord, what does this have to do with this gentleman? And he said, he said, what did you answer him? I said, what did you say? And then when he asked you about your boots, he, you said, these are Iron Rangers, Red Wing. You're not an iron worker. There's very few iron workers in America today. Lord, but I work at, you're a pastor. <laughs> you're a pastor. Yeah, Lord, but I've been wearing this before I became a pastor. And you know, Lord, I wore them. I wore them because I loved to fight when I was a kid. And he says, I changed you. What if you had gotten close to him and said, hey, let me tell you about why I first started wearing them, but now I wear them to preach the gospel. Do you think you're a good person? Some of you are going, what is he talking about? If you were part of our discipleship, when we learned how to share the gospel, that's one of the first questions you ask. So what do you think? Do you think you're a good person? Oh yeah, I'm a great person. Can we talk about it? 
Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And to most people, you think, no, I'm a good person. But the Bible says, if you want to be saved, you need to repent and believe. Watch Acts chapter 20, verse 21. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greek. Repent toward God and have faith. Repent and believe. Repent and believe what? That Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. What does it mean to repent? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7 and 9, it says that when you repent, you will bear fruit worthy of repentance. Well, wait a minute. That sounds like works. It's not works. It means that you stop doing things your way, you die to yourself, and you realize that every opportunity in life is about sharing God's goodness in one way, shape, or form. And you have to know the gospel message so that it's always on your heart, in your lips, and ready to be shared, even when they say, hey man, are those fake boots or real boots? Say, no, they're real boots, brother. I'm not, I'm not a hipster. Believe me, I'm a preacher of the word of God. Can I buy you a drink and sit down and share some good news with you? I should have just pulled up a chair. Here, baby, sit down. He's been talking to you anyway. Come on, let's sit down and let's. Amen. Let me share with you what changed my life. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Fruit, fruit worthy of repentance. It means you no longer bear fruit according to the flesh. You bear fruit according to the Spirit. See, because salvation happens when the Spirit comes in. This is known. Real repentance is known as confession and forsaking. Confess and forsake. No longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. Look, it's right there. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Why? Because God has woken me up. He was my alarm. He says, wake up. There's a better way to live. Live, surrender to me. Now, I could have chosen to lay there. I could have chosen to gotten up and do my own thing. But I chose to be obedient, to get up, get ready, and preach the gospel here this morning. Amen? Amen. You have a choice, too, to walk according to your flesh like you used to walk or to turn around and walk in newness of life. Watch. Put off concerning your former conduct. Don't live like you used to live. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Take off that old man. Put on the new man. It's right there. It's right there. Watch. Don't give the devil a foothold. And he lists a bunch of random sins. Now, they may be random. They may be specific, something he knew the Ephesus church was dealing with. But what I'm saying is not an exhaustive list. He says, hey, if you struggle with attitude, if you struggle with a bad mouth, if you struggle with unforgiveness, if you struggle with anger, Pastor Chris, um, right? Getting all worked up because somebody makes a comment on your boots. Bro, come on. Lord, forgive me, God. I'm turning from that. Amen? 
I don't care what you struggle with. Don't give the devil a foothold. Now watch. Watch, watch, watch what he says. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when you repent and believe, the Holy Spirit comes in. And that's why when you walk according to the Spirit, you will bear fruit worthy of your change. It means it proves you're changed. You want to have confidence in your faith? Assurance in your faith? Put your foot in the ground and turn. Turn to the Lord. And this is where we finish. For by grace you have been saved through faith. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. Gospel message is simple. There is one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I got to repent. That means stop trying to do it your way. Say, Lord, by the power of your spirit, I need to live according to your word. I need to live according to the spirit of the living God. And I'm going to receive that gift by faith. Today, God is gently waking you up. The, the way you receive a gift is to open your hand. But this is a spiritual gift. So when you get a spiritual gift, you have to open your heart. If you believe in your heart, how do you receive it? Through faith. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. I believe the word of God. The Word of God says, I need to be different. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to help me walk a new life. Anyone here walk in that new life? You said, Pastor, today you, you, you just, simple message on salvation. I want you to be sure. And then I want you to go help your family be sure. Go share the gospel. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As you get ready to partake of communion, would you just ask the Lord to speak to your heart? Maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe you feel the Holy Spirit saying, I'm waking you up. Receive my gift of grace. If you want to receive that gift of grace, just have a conversation with God Almighty and say, Lord Jesus, I confess that your word is true, that you are the Son of God and the way of salvation. I put my trust, my faith in you. I haven't always, Lord, but today I do. And I turn in repentance from living my way. I want to live by the power of your Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, it's going to be a journey. You won't be perfect when you walk out of here. But the Holy Spirit will start empowering you and teaching you and 
prompting you. Even as he still does for me. And so if you take that action today, not you may be saved, you will be saved. And then I want you to get baptized tonight. Don't let anything stop you from getting baptized tonight. Put your faith and belief in Jesus Christ and the simple gospel message that he is the way of salvation. Repent and be baptized. Father, thank you for your gift. Lord, we wait for your return. We know that it was by your sacrifice on the cross that we are saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. I'll see you tonight. Let's have a great worship service.